Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Content warning. Check the show notes for more information. It's November 16th, 1581. And another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by... Aria. Rebecca and Ali, the Retrospectors. With a body count numbering in the thousands, Ivan the Terrible is definitely one of those monarchs who thoroughly earned his nickname. <laughs> but even Vlad the Impaler and Bloody Mary drew the line at doing what Ivan did today in history, namely fatally bludgeon his son and heir, also called Ivan, across the head with a scepter, probably. And as the story goes, Ivan was roaming around the hallways of his palace and he encountered his daughter-in-law, Elena, who was either wearing clothing that he deemed too promiscuous uh, and he took it upon himself to chastise her and shame her on the spot, or she was in some state of undress just because she was in her bedchamber and he, uh, for whatever reason, decided to beat her. Either way, she was heavily pregnant and the beating that he delivered to her her was so severe that she miscarried. And on hearing the news that this had happened, Ivan's second son actually comes in and he confronts okay, his Okay, who's also called Ivan. So also let's, let's called Ivan. Ivan Jr. Yeah, this so is, Ivan yep. Sr. did the beating. Ivan right. Jr. comes in. Yeah, so Ivan Jr. comes in and he confronts his father about this, doesn't like what's going on here, obviously. And the elder Ivan then strikes him with his scepter that he's also carrying around with him. And the young Ivan falls to the ground. And even though he doesn't die immediately, several days later, he's dead. And all of that story can be encapsulated much more easily by just looking at a painting, which is probably the most famous painting, isn't it, in Russian realism? Ivan the Terrible and His Son Ivan by Ilya Mm. Repin uh, from 1885, the most vandalised Russian painting of all time. Mm. And it shows a haunted Ivan the Terrible with like his eyes kind of popping out in sheer terror at what he's done, holding his son with the blood from his head mm. dripping down onto him. I've killed my only son. You look at it and you see that he's there's an insanity th- that lies behind the act. Mm. But actually, all of that is conjecture as well. It is. We know that he was a hard nut, Ivan mm. Senior, because he did some terrible things to his political opponents. And we know that he somehow was responsible for his son's death on this day. But that's kind of all we know. Mm. Yeah, this whole account comes from a single source, a papal envoy called Antonio Possevino, who was not an eyewitness, but he later said that his interpreters had witnessed the scene. So it's Possevino who reports this scenario whereby the Tsar becomes enraged, his daughter-in-law is not dressed in enough clothing, that they argue, that he causes her to miscarry. Now, we don't know the sex of the baby she was supposedly carrying, but it's quite possible that Ivan the Terrible could have wiped out the next mm. two Tsars in this single moment of yes. madness. There are some accounts from the time that hint that there was some kind kind of row between father and son which led to this a clerk called Ivan Timofeev wrote that 
the Tsarevich, Ivan Jr., wanted to keep his father from some unseemly act, which might hint as to why he could have mm. been in his daughter-in-law's private apartments mm. at this time. That sounds more like the Ivan Terrible we know. I yeah. mean, just for context, he was 51 at the time of this incident. Ivan Jr. was 27. Worth noting that Ivan the Terrible was also the father of Dimitri. If you remember our episode on the false Dimitri, he was the boy who had been murdered aged eight. But at this time, Ivan Jr. was the heir to the throne. Supposedly, Ivan Sr. was very intelligent. He was a really talented poet and composer. And at moments... <laughs> no yes. one ever talks about your poetry, no do they? Poetry. When you're famous for boiling your enemies alive and impaling them and tearing them <laughs> well, limb for limb, no one ever talks about the sonic road. <laughs> yeah. and, I mean, but supposedly, when Ivan Jr. was young, they had a good father-son relationship, if an odd one. One of the things that they did together was go to watch the Massacre of Novgorod, where mm. for several weeks they watched Ivan's private army massacring thousands of men, women and children in the city of Novgorod, which Ivan had deemed to be treasonous. So a lot of this is that, yes, he was intelligent, yes, he was capable of being very pious also, but he was prone to what we would, I suppose, recognise as mental episodes, which mm. filled him with paranoia and rage. Well, the funny thing was that even the moniker that's bestowed upon him, the terrible, back in the 16th century, the meaning would have been awe-inspiring and powerful and formidable, rather than the contemporary meaning of terrible, which actually is equally applicable to him, given what he went on to do. Yeah, Grozny it is in Russian, isn't it? Which means, yeah, formidable, fearsome, and, and was attached to him after he died. Well, I wouldn't say it to him while he was alive. <laughs> <laughs> Not whilst he's anywhere near a scepter. <laughs> but Ivan himself had had this really terrible childhood where he had been... <laughs> terrible in- or fearsome? <laughs> just just a, a really unfortunate childhood, let's settle on that, where he'd been effectively a political football who was used as the object in the power struggles between various members of the nobility. And while the royal court was descending into this really dangerous chaos of murder and intrigue, Ivan and his brother Yuri were just kind of treated absolutely abysmally. And some contemporary scholars suggest that this treatment is what leads leads Ivan into the later excesses of his regime, because at least when he comes to power, he's regarded as a fairly capable leader. Ivan the Capable. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> if full only power... he stopped there. <laughs> <laughs> so full power was actually transferred to him on his 16th birthday. I mean, that's uh, not a time you want to get power, is it, 16? Oh my gosh, definitely not. <laughs> Wait till you're 25, just be so much more chilled. Absolutely, you're just a ball of hormones at that time. And two weeks later, he married his first wife, Anastasia. And in the early days, he ruled over this time of relative peace and progress. But even at this early stage, there were uh, intimations of what was to come because one of the things that he authorised was the construction of the magnificent St Basil's Cathedral. And the story goes that it was so beautiful that he had the architect blinded so that he could never produce anything so beautiful again. <sighs> now, a certain Vladimir Putin is quite keen on uh, Ivan revisionism. So Ivan, yeah. they're not so bad. Yeah. <laughs> but... As we've hinted all along, I think there are some counter-narratives here that have some legitimacy, aren't there? And if Ivan Sr. was trying to have it off with Ivan Jr.'s pregnant wife, Mm. and therefore that's the reason that he saw her in her supposedly unconventionally light clothing, it does make a lot more sense of the family drama unfolding, doesn't it? Because if you just think about it, like, we're in Russia in November 
how would he see her in her undergarments? Like, it's mm. freezing cold. You know, she's not going to be walking around wearing that. The reason that this version of events is controversial, particularly among Russian nationalists to this day, is that there are no contemporary Russian accounts of mm. Ivan the Terrible killing his son. There are letters where it's mentioned that the son has died and that he has been ill for a few days. But there's nothing that specifically accuses Ivan of doing it, apart from this one account from Posavino, who was a foreigner in the court and possibly would have reasons to try and depict the Russian court as being uncivilised. Well, being wanted to turn savage. Orthodox Russia into Catholic Russia, to be yeah. fair. Like, mm. That is what he wanted to do. Right. Exactly. So we, there is there is a famous Russian account by a historian called Nikolai Karamzin, but he wrote it 200 years later, and it's based on kind of scraps of historical evidence that he turns into a narrative, and he claims that it was actually a disagreement about military matters that brought father and son to blows. And he, in his account, he suggests that Boris Godunov, who was a high-ranking member of the Royal Guard, he was present, and he tried to intervene as Ivan raised the scepter, but the Tsar lashed out and kind of jabbed him with the pointy end and then brought the mm. thick end down on his son's head. But, I mean, Karamzin's account is a little bit is a little bit spurious because he slightly over-eggs the pudding, I think, by having a moment where apparently Ivan Jr. briefly regains consciousness just long enough to forgive his father. <laughs> I mean, it's astonishing that the narrative that we've ended up with of father killing son has come to be accepted as the thing that happened, given, as you say, that the, even the contemporaneous accounts were so disparate, let alone then the historical revisions that were going on 200 years later. But, you know, this was something that would have happened in the absolute chambers of power. And if they didn't want the story to get out, there's no way Mm. it would have got out. Well, there was some science behind their theories as well, though, which was that uh, Ivan Senior's body was exhumed in the 1960s and his body was saturated with mercury, which was used as a painkiller, mainly for arthritis. Mm. So I'm sure there are arthritic men that could raise a scepter above their head and go crashing down on a man who's 20 years younger than them. But it it seems less likely than you'd originally have thought, doesn't it? Like it does. That does seem like a physical challenge. Mind you, it's probably quite likely that a czar who wants someone dead is able to have that person killed, even if well, they exactly. don't do it with their own hand. Yes. <laughs> and that's the thing, isn't it? I, I think at the end of the day, uh, <laughs> trying to reframe him as some kind of hero, just because <laughs> he may not have done this particular thing on this day to his own family... Is possibly a stretch too far, but they are progressing with it apace. Uh, in 2016, the first monument to him was unveiled in Oriol, uh, which is about 200 miles southwest of Moscow, supposedly to mark the 450 years since he founded the town. You, you know what they say, it's okay to decimate one town as long as you found another town. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the governor of Oriol said, quote, people present him as a tyrant and a psychological deviant, but... <laughs> If you take European leaders of his period, they were many times more bloodthirsty. But in Europe, they have monuments and nobody minds. I mean, those monuments weren't put up in 2016, I would say. It's probably quite a crucial point there. And by the way, have you read the sonnets that he wrote? Wonderful, (laughs) wonderful sonnets. Tomorrow. To think that you can see newsreel footage of the end of an empire which had started in the 14th century... Ditch the ads and get a Sunday episode when you join Club Retrospectors. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, part of the ACAST Creator Network. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.